And maybe I'll just start with the story for me. When I was in college, I spent a summer working with Mother Teresa's sisters, missionaries of charity in uh, what's now um, Kolkata. And one practice I learned um, um, very early there and participated in daily because it was such a, um, a restful resetting anchor to my whole experience there was to go to the mother house for evening prayers every night. I grew up in the Presbyterian church and so rosary and evening prayers were totally new to me, but a practice that I deeply appreciated. And I just want to give a little bit of the setup of how this, um, this evening prayers uh, was held in terms of this practice that I want to share. Um, the, the mother house for missionaries of charity, uh, is on Chowringi road in Kolkata, which is one of the main thoroughfares of the, of one of the world's largest cities. So very, very busy road, um, lots of cars, trucks, buses, people, you know, every kind of like every sound you can imagine from a major world city, <laughs> major main road. Um, uh, and the mother house, uh, the chapel was on the second floor with a whole wall, front wall of open windows out onto Chowringi Road. So all of the sounds of the street come in through those, those open windows. The chapel is very large. Uh, I don't, I'm making up numbers, you know, easily two, three hundred nuns sisters um, can sit in there for prayer. Very simple room, no furniture, uh, simple altar at the front. And, and the sisters would kneel on the floor for saying the rosary and then saying the evening prayers. So at sunset, with all of the street sounds in that very large silent room, there was this um, palpable quiet underneath all of the sounds of the world that was remarkable to sit in and experience this felt sense of quiet that existed underneath everything else. And for me, that was a really profound time. Um, the ritual of saying the rosary and then the half hour of silent prayers, um, meditation afterwards. I knew that feeling of that kind of palpable quiet from one other place in my life. And that's being in the woods. I have long been, uh, spent many years as a very avid backpacker, um, hiker, now primarily walker, hiking when I can get to the mountains. Uh, and there's a natural way I go into a meditative space out in deep in the forest. I think many people do that. It's one of the reasons we're so called is that we can drop in to that larger sense of quiet underneath things um, in the woods. 
I didn't know that kind of listening underneath was, however, an established meditation practice. And actually, I, I, I can't say that I ever particularly thought of that as an accessible practice to drop into um, that same sense of that same sense of feeling into a, a quiet beneath things right in my daily life. Um, and so it was kind of lovely when this practice got introduced to me as a way to purposefully cultivate that kind of deep, uh, deeper inner listening. So I'm studying with a mindfulness teacher, Heather Sunberg, and I really appreciate um, um, uh, her guidance. And she had our group read a book this summer um, by a British Buddhist monk named Ajahn Amaro. Some of you may know him, just a delightful, beautiful teacher. And the book is called Inner Listening, and it's available for free download, short, simple book. Um, um, and so I put in the, in the chat the link for the free download if you have any interest in that. So in this book, it's all about this practice. And one of the things that he points out is that this kind of practice has been practiced in many meditation um, traditions and spiritual traditions from all over the world for a very long time, which makes sense because kind of like my experience of, of, of finding it without overt guidance to it, um, I don't think is that, that uncommon. Somebody shared last night a beautiful example of when... Uh, a deep snow is falling, that there's, there's this kind of quiet that you can hear um, when deep snow is, is falling. So it's not very surprising that us humans have recognized this inner capacity that we have and figured out how to bring it forward, bring it forth in a way that is highly supportive. So the basic practice, it's just like any other focused awareness practice. Breathing meditation, you turn to the attention, the felt sense of the breath, moving in and out. Walking meditation, you turn to the felt sense of the footstep, turn um, on the ground. Nada yoga or sound of silence meditation, you turn attention to listening beneath the usual sounds that we typically acknowledge in our, in our daily life. And that turning below our usual acknowledgement, that in and of itself is quite uh, useful and in a, in a sort of profound way. When we stop and think about it, we know we live on the barest surface of things. Uh, what I see, how, what I feel in this moment, what I'm hearing in this moment, uh, just glances upon the vast mystery of everything going on to make up a body. 
to make up an atom, <laughs> you know, to make up a cell, make up an atom, make up a molecule. There is like these endless layers of mystery that we exist in that we don't often, um, that often we don't pause enough to acknowledge the depth of experiences here. I heard a beautiful analogy. I can't remember who said this, but I thought this was very helpful. It's like uh, if you want to send an email, you go to your computer, you see on the screen the stuff that you type in and it shows up on the screen and then you push a button and it delivers to whoever it is that it's going to. Yet we know underneath that there is tremendous complexity in the machines, in the internet, and in all of that that we have no interaction with. We're just, we're just interacting with the bare surface, the screen of it. Um, so, and even, you know, life um, complexity is far, <laughs> infinitely more complex than internet complexity. So this is kind of a lovely practice to drop into an open awareness of the vastness of experience that goes beyond our surface extent. Um, for me, the way I practice informal practice is I actually start with my eyes. I close my eyes. I release my eyeballs <laughs> into the eye sockets. This very intentional dropping back and in. And even when your eyelids are closed, uh, we still have visual experience. We just are visual, having our visual experience behind our eyelids. So even with eyelids closed, then I open up my visual gaze out to the periphery so that it's kind of a soft, wide open, spacious gaze. Something about setting, physically setting that up with my eyes really supports then my listening to open up into that broad, spacious, soft, open, vast possibility. And my experience of that is a felt quiet underneath even loud conditions. Different people experience this in totally different ways. Um, a lot of people will describe it as listening to a quiet hum under all things. Uh, maybe, I don't know if you've ever done one of those salt pods. I don't know exactly what they're called, but they're supposed to be like sensory um, um, deprivation experiences can be really loud in there just from the sounds um, that we, we are creating. Uh, uh, not, not verbally, but just, just the experience. So that quiet hum is kind of similar to that, I think, for many people. Ajahn Amaro describes it actually as a high-pitched inner ringing tone. Uh, he says, like a white noise, beginningless, endless, sparkling there in the background. Love that description. White noise, beginningless, endless, sparkling there in the background. 
I, for one, have never heard a high-pitched inner ringing tone, though. <laughs> so, so there's no there's no right way of hearing this, and everyone kind of experiences that quiet um, um, in their own way. Sometimes people will say it's difficult if you have tinnitus, uh, and and there's often making a note that this is different than the ears ringing than that background tinnitus many people have. Uh, I actually have kind of fairly loud tinnitus often, and this is, and it is different enough that they're not confusing. If my tinnitus is kind of loud, I don't, still don't have any problem hearing um, this feeling into the quiet underneath it because they are very different. I can imagine if somebody actually has kind of like a diagnosable level of tinnitus that maybe this would would really be a different um, experience and different kind of challenge. So the meditation is not for everyone. Um, uh, it's just an offering to see if this uh, is relevant for you. Some people it's visual. It's a little bit of, of noticing a, a very small vibration um, underneath everything. I love the way Heather, my teacher, um, talks about learning to listen to the sound silence. The first question that always comes up is, okay, so I meditated, I had this experience, is that it? And her answer is yes to whatever anyone says. <laughs> um, yes, it's not so much, am I hearing the right thing? The real question is, is what I am tuning into useful? And if what I am tuning into is useful, then yes, that's where you deepen. That's where you practice. And for some people, there's <laughs> They, they sit and they try this and nothing particularly useful is coming up, but maybe their tinnitus is really starting to bug them. Uh, and it's just, it's just not necessarily a helpful meditation, which is also no problem. You just toss it. Um, and maybe someday it's relevant to come back to it and it's different. Maybe it's never relevant to come back to. It's just not a doorway that's particularly helpful for you. Any of that is fine. I love this description from Zen teacher Cho Zen Bays um, that Amaro shares in his book. Uh, she says um, that the deep listening to the sound of silence is the basis of the famous colon, two hands clap. There's a sound, but what is the sound of one hand? So she says, this koan, the sound of one hand, has become trivialized in the West, but its actual meaning is very profound. The koan cannot be answered by our usual method, by thinking. It can only be answered by non-thinking. It asks us to undertake deep listen to listen as we have never before, to listen not only with our ears, but with our entire being, our eyes, our skin, our bones, our heart. 
Deep listening requires complete receptivity. That means there's nothing being broad, broadcast. There are no outflows. Deep listening asks us to quiet the body, the mouth, and the mind. Our thoughts must be silent. Impossible, you might say. That's not impossible, not when you are listening so carefully that even the sounds of your thoughts are in the way of your listening. This is the absorptive listening, complete absorption in sound. I think that's a very helpful orientation. And just would put in one note because in our practice, we, we you know, never talk about we must make our thoughts silent. My experience is that when I drop in in this way and I open up and I listen in this way, thoughts are not really there. This practice brings me to that quiet place. Not so much that I have to force my mind to be quiet to get there. Kind of a reversal. So this practice has come up in several different Buddhist traditions, but in general, in the Buddhist tradition, while it's seen as having great transformative potential as an object of meditation, there's not really deep um, spiritual significance in and of itself given to it. However, in other traditions around the world, this kind of listening can have deeply spiritual meaning attached to it. So one example Ajahn Amaro gives is um, a practice in the Sikh tradition called meditation on the inner light and sound. And this practice includes listening to the sound current, which they call Shabnam, or word manifestation of God. That description reminds me of hearing a friend not so long ago describing her experience with this. She was standing at this like remarkably beautiful vista and had this feeling, this noticing of everything she could see, everything she could hear underneath had what she described as a sort of universal hum of life in everything in her field of awareness. Deeply mystical kind of, of moment. And for me, I have definitely um, shared um, some some of those kind of deep mystical experiences as well. And one thing I so appreciate about formalizing this as a practice is I don't have to be in that, in that remarkable chapel space in the mother house. You don't have to be at, on the trail in, in the beautiful woods. This is a practice I'm learning I can drop into anywhere. I was with the daughter um, this weekend and we needed to make um, a Walmart run. Uh, and, and it occurred to me, you know, I'm standing there in a busy Walmart while she's doing what she needs to do. And it occurs to me, huh, can I hear the sound of silence in Walmart? And it was really 
like this um, helpful, powerful re reorientation to a sacredness of life for me in Walmart <laughs> um, to open up my hearing in a way that was hearing below the noise of our cultural life. So this practice can become this very simple reminder that right here, no matter what the conditions, there is this possibility of listening underneath um, what is present. A sort of um, um, beautiful, simple reorientation that's available even amidst the busyness and the loudness of things. Um, and our world is very busy and very loud. So we definitely need ways to help orient towards stronger ground. I want to finish with a quote from Ajahn Amaro um, speaking to this. He says, we can thus let the sound simply be a presence in the background. And because of that presence, it helps to create a reminder for our practice. It helps to allow the heart to rest in the quality of attentive awareness an awareness that receives the flow of experience, knowing it, letting it go, recognizing its transparency. So I invite you to just pause for a moment before we move all the way into our formal practice. Notice what's here for you, for hearing a lot of words. Figure out some sort of useful transition for you to set up for formal meditation. You might adjust your posture in your chair. Decide if you want your video on or off, or you can just turn the camera away if you wish, or turn your head away. Maybe beginning with a few nice deep in and out breaths. beginning this meditation, I invite you to consider what would be a useful, familiar grounding practice for you, one that really allows you to feel into the life energy presence, the physicality of the body, sitting here, breathing this breath. Feeling into your sense of being in this space, this room, wherever you are. 
Maybe it's gravity, maybe it's breath. Maybe it's body scan. Taking your time, opening up to a grounding practice. It's accessible for you. Let your grounding practice be deeply informed by an intention of strong heart, compassion, taking care of this body, mind, and heart, you. So it doesn't really matter if you're pulling off the world's greatest grounding practice or if your mind is flitting all over the place. The heart is open to stand with you, no matter what the conditions. We bring that heart to ourselves just as we are. If you want to open up into exploring the sound of silence, like I said, for whatever reason, for me, it's easier to start with the eyes. And for you, it's just opening up to listening to the sounds that are here. Allow yourself to do that. Bringing attention to the physicality of the eyes is useful. Feel into releasing the eyeballs into the eye sockets. Have a restful letting go right around the eyes. And whether eyes are closed, eyelids closed or open, begin to allow the visual attention open in a very soft way up to the periphery. And opening up to a spaciousness. A vastness actually that can reach further than we can imagine. Soft resting in that open spaciousness. For some people, the sound of silence is a very visual sensation. So if resting right here 
is useful for you. Let yourself rest here. You want to then allow an opening of the listening, just like the vision. Listening underneath the physical sounds that you're hearing. If that question comes up for you, am I doing it right? What's it like to set the question aside or reform it into, is what I'm noticing, this openness, maybe this intangible sensation is it useful? And at any point that it gets ungrounded, too spacey, not spacious, but spacey, disconnected, go back to your grounding practice. Or if the mind is too active and jumping, use the practice that you know can best support you. Take your time with regrounding, coming back this practice whenever it's helpful for you.
This practice asks us to undertake deep listening, to listen as we have never before, to listen not only with our ears, but with our entire being, our eyes, our skin, our bones, and our heart. <laughs> 